0: Hello and welcome to episode 95 of the Waters Wavelength Podcast. My name is Anthony Malachian, US Editor of Waters, and as always here with James Rundle, News Editor of Waters. Hello. So, you know, this week quite frankly. <laughs> we don't always you know sometimes we really have we have guests, sometimes we do you know some really good stuff in um, you know, news that broke or a feature that went live that we want to talk about. Yeah. This week, uh I was out of the office Monday, Tuesday, Gym out of the office Thursday, so we started to start on Wednesday, um, and then we're just like, Friday, here we are. What the hell are we going to talk about today?
1: Yeah, uh, and drawing a blank. Yeah, drawing a <laughs> blank. It's been a slow week, guys. It's a <laughs> little news week with stories
0: that we've... T- there's some interesting stories up on... It's not saying that we haven't produced some good stories, it's just... These are stories that we have talked about a little bit. So we're going to yeah. quickly go through some of the news stories that happened today, mm-hmm. okay, this week. Um, and, uh, you know, then we're going to talk a little bit about politics because, you know, we, we figure <laughs> let's really salvage this.
1: Let's try and get out, uh, yeah, something Salvage out this, of right. you know, with a little bit of political talk. Um, this is the podcast equivalent of Chelsea's football season. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so
0: hopefully we provide you with some information, some quick hitters on some news stories that are happening some hopefully some entertaining talk on politics. Yep. Otherwise, we'll do better next week. You know, there's a lot of good is, stuff coming up. Yeah, we got I'm some curious. good stuff yeah. coming up. You know, it's, it's, it's <laughs> almost at hundred episodes, you're gonna have some down ones, man. You know, it's just gonna happen. <laughs> so uh, before we get into any of that, uh, next week, uh, November 13th through 15th, the Asia Pacific Financial Information Conference in Hong Kong. Hopefully, you've already signed up. There's still time to, if you want to. But that's happening next week in Hong Kong. We have the Waters Technology Innovation Summit happening in London on November 15th. First of its kind. Yep. Um, got some good fintech, um, just, you know, innovation topics.
1: stuff that you guys love so much. Yeah, yeah. We, stuff that, we told ourselves we wouldn't yeah. talk about in the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, literally, <laughs> when we were
0: talking, Jim's like, I was like, you know, so we're going to talk about it. He's like, I don't know. I, I can't talk about blockchain again. And I go, yeah, no, I agree. We can't talk. You know, there have been a couple of blockchain digital current stories. Can't talk about it. We're going to end up talking about blockchain, digital currencies in a little bit here. So uh, it really went off the rails here. This is it, yeah. Um, then uh, December fourth. now is your time to start getting involved. Uh, if you are an end user, uh, you can attend for free. But it's Wars USA. It's our big conference of the year. Both buy side, sell side folks you get you know really, really senior uh, senior technologists to. Uh, speak at our panels. I'll be there. Victor will be there. Wei Shen, James, Amelia, the whole crew uh, outside of our two uh, London reporters will be there. Yep. Um, so uh, we hope that you can make it out. Again, if you're an end user, bank, hedge fund, asset manager, broker, um, you get them for free. It's Christmas, man. What are you going to be doing? Exactly. So, it's a Monday, yeah. too. You know, maybe, maybe you watch some football and you're really hungover, okay? <laughs> and you don't want to have to really sit at your desk all day. Come on out, have some coffees with us, and stay till later and have some drinks with us later. Right, on. exactly,
1: yeah.
0: That's, so that's where we're at. Um, that's what our lives are now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, let's work, I guess, backwards. Um, my story went live today. B and P Paraba uh, oh. gets into the 40x business with uh, Janice Harrison deal. This story actually went live yesterday, but uh, I wasn't able to really speak with them today. But that doesn't matter because I broke this story last month.
1: Yes. To so those who say Waters never breaks anything, I say to you, sir, look at the 40x story. The 40x
0: story. We uh, they didn't. We didn't know it was going to be Janice, but um, uh, Patrick Colt uh, from B and P Security Services, uh, he had told me uh, when we were just doing a rundown all the things we were doing that, you know, that they were deficient in 40 Act, um, and that they're going to look to get into it with a major acquisition, and he said soon, before the end of the year, um, and it turns out it's with Janice Henderson. So Janice, uh Capital and Henderson Group com- uh, merge. complete Henderson that merger, Global Festival, Yeah, Global or Global Investors, yeah, whatever it yeah, is. Yeah. Um, they... Um, Merge completed that merger at the beginning of this year, around there, maybe yep. Q1 Q2. It was um, one of the big
1: ones actually this year. I think it's uh, yeah,
0: a huge yeah. deal. And so for them, I you know their their need of this 40 act units was not as necessary anymore. So BNP Paribas yeah. said, let us take this on for you since. You already have a relationship with us through Janus, through legacy Janus system. Yeah, so they're the core provider
1: already, right? Exactly, so, and yeah. we're doing
0: all these other things for you as it is. Let us take this on for you. Um, and it allows them to have an established unit, 120 strong uh, middle and back office professionals and then IT professionals. Well, what
1: was it, Patrick Colley called it a franchise buy, didn't he, I think? When yeah. I speak to you. So that's effectively what he's done. And I guess it's just indicative of the wider trend in buy-side firms of just looking at all this operations debt they've built up well not operations debt but technical debt and operations stuff they've built up over the years and just thinking you know what do you actually need to do this like can we just farm this out to the security services guys they can do it for us Um, everyone from a big boy like Janice Henderson through to uh, Poland Capital who I did on the cover this month did exactly the same thing except they did it for Archer obviously and uh, and these guys did it with BMP but um, yeah I I think it's just indicative of a wider trend that suits BMP I wonder how much it will continue when all these security services have their franchises in place. and so when they're going to do these big buys, and when people are just going to get laid off, and you know. Oh, well, isn't
0: sort of, that you know the way it always kind of works? So this kind of expansion-contraction kind of thing. So now everybody's mm-hmm. kind of consolidating into one. You know, um, Andrew Darby, uh, he was saying to me, you know, we want to, what we think is going to differentiate is we're going to have a true, you know, front to back from execution all the way post-trade execution all the way through um, yep. to the fund administration reporting. So we can do all this for you. And that's why they're just building on all these services, and that's what always seems to happen. And then you know, global downturn happens. Maybe people start to reimagine this, or like, do we are we really making this kind of money off of this unit or this unit? And yeah. then they kind of start to think but about it goes back that way.
1: again, and comes back, and uh, yeah, they try to do something similar. I think it was a uh, was it SunGuard with uh, futures commission merchants a couple of years ago, where they kind of took the back office, yeah. the middle office from Barclays, I think, and. Yeah, I'm not sure how that's worked out. but Yeah, you <laughs> haven't heard much about it, you know, no, I guess. No, no, a couple of And then, well, they go
0: through another acquisition themselves, so.
1: Well, and also, you wonder if it's a little bit short-sighted. Like, I know that people talk about core competency, and that word just makes you want to fall asleep half the time. But, sure. um, you know, core competency isn't just in the investment-making, decision-making. A large part of it is, obviously, but it's also in the controls you have around that, and the way your firm operates, and how it processes, and everything else, and, I don't know. I mean, are you actually sacrificing something of the firm itself when you farm all this out and you're literally just left with the front office? And in that case, is there that balance you need in a firm to take strategic decisions that you now lost because you don't have those other voices in there? I don't know. Yeah,
0: I guess in this case, you know, it's if you have, and I'm not, so I just spoke with uh, uh, BP for this. Mm. Um, so I didn't get a chance to speak with uh, Janice Henderson on this. But I would imagine, from what it sounds like, um, they're already doing all this other stuff for you. Yeah. Do you really need a ac We could really use the 40 40ac Let us take the 40 yeah, off. Yeah. Come on, baby. Yeah. You know, show me some love here. So this poor guy who who a,
1: had a nice cushy buy-side job in operations and now working yeah. for uh, the south side. Yeah, that, I mean, so, that's, yeah. and that's, with
0: any acquisition, that's always the most interesting piece is yeah. how are these cultures? Buy-side shop, you yeah. know, now you're going to be going to this global custodian. This
1: enormous French bank. It's sort of, yeah, yeah. 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 We know something about being acquired by the French as well, so there we yeah, go. Yeah,
0: it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, I was going to try and do another accent there, but then I was like, I don't even know what that would say. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on before I get myself in trouble. Yes. Um, James uh, wrote a story. Apparently, from what I hear, extra, extra hot-off presses. Chicago is hot for digital currencies. It has. It's called
1: crypto fever. I think, as crypto I said the, fever. Crypto fever. Need um, more crypto, baby. They, they really like it. Like, literally, the CME uh, announcing it's... Futures, which we talked about, I think, in the last week's podcast, and then Sibo kind of jumping on, saying, "Hey guys, we announced this in September, but no one cared." Um, you know, uh, the Chicago, the, the two big Chicago exchanges going so hard on Bitcoin, though, is quite significant. Um, yeah, you know, it's it pushed the value of Bitcoin up hugely, um, and now they have this in place, and they're kind of taking a unilateral movement, saying, "We're going to do this," and the CFTC, obviously, being led by Giancarlo, is super. Possible fintech going yeah cool yeah, you know yeah, 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 no. um, that means that I guess the SEC is now pressured to allow ETFs and everything else as well so you um, it is really a first step in making it into something that's tradable and investable whether that's a good idea or not and there are even people I spoke to for this story um, one guy who's at a hedge fund in Europe who that specialise in digital currencies was saying this is going a bit fast guys yeah. um, you know you don't want to let the cat out of the bag and give it f- full rain in the yard too quickly you know it's uh, Baby steps would be ideal, so, I don't know, we'll see.
0: It's, it's really interesting, it's just the, from the start of 2017, mm-hmm. to where we are now, just some of these, you know, about faces, again, we talked about this I think last week, maybe the week before, about the CME just doing about face on mm-hmm. the way that they viewed digital, uh, the way they viewed Bitcoin. And now saying it will be an asset class, yeah. you know, and we're going to tame this asset class. And not just
1: the sales guys in the CME. This is like the chairman emeritus saying it will be an asset class. Yeah. And what's going to happen? Not just that, we're going to make it an asset class. As well, well. We're all so. losing our jobs. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm the emeritus, it's fine, I'm yeah. all right. The rest of you guys are yeah. <laughs> screwed.
0: So. I mean, meanwhile, I'm reading these stories in like Wired about a guy who lost, you know, 200000 or whatever, $20,000 yeah. uh, just because he forgot his password. You had the ether thing where three hundred million because million a programmer dollars. hit the, what was it? Somebody told me it was in an article. So I somebody told me this uh, anecdote from an article, but it's it's like imagine having a bank vault, mm-hmm. and right next to it you, you say there's a button that says just lock forever. Why you have that you don't really know, but you can lock that bank vault forever. And basically, some programmers accidentally went up and pressed that button. <laughs> just
1: gone, just, no, gone. just gone. This is it. And these things are safe. Um, a part of that story as a corollary was also interesting, I thought, was that GDAX, one of the big digital currency exchanges, is now looking at more formally kind of uh, specifying what criteria things have to be built to trade, because the yeah. amount of digital assets has just exploded. There's a couple of good stats in the story. But um, yeah, at a time when even the digital currency exchange is going, okay, this is maybe getting a bit out of hand now, we should start putting some proper procedures and regulations around this. Um, the CME and the CBO just going, no, that's it's fine, just give us your money. We'll yeah. sort it out. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Don't worry about it, we're on this. Uh,
1: and I mean, just imagine the variation margin calls are going to be on Bitcoin derivatives, man. I mean, like if people start doing even more exotic stuff on it, then it's just going to get very crazy very quickly.
0: Yeah, and I mean, at a time when regulators are just trying to get their heads around just basic stuff still, yeah. you know, it's it's incredible that we're going to launch and it's kind look. of I mean, there, was,
1: there was a hearing at the SEC the other day where, um, you know, one of the uh, the advisory board guys who was a securities lawyer, like a very well-known guy in the industry, was just pressing two guys saying, can you tell me whether this classifies as an investment under securities law and no one have been an answer to it, it's just like, you know, and he just says like, I lived through the last bubble. And the bubble before that, and the bubble before that. And right now, my alarm is at DEF CON 5 with this thing. And well, it's just like, you know. And
0: I mean, has anybody really sat down and said, I want you right now, on the right, here's the recorders, going. Explain to me exactly how Bitcoin works, how it is on uh, the blockchain, yeah. how um, can this become an asset? I want you in detail right now. Like that's, well, what that's going to, going to be sense. stuff we're going to work out later. What
1: the yeah, that, that's exactly what this guy was saying. He just says, I, I hear about this, and everyone uses these words and these phrases that seem deliberately designed to obfuscate stuff almost. He's like, yeah. what I want you to do right now is to tell me, I buy something off you over a blockchain. It's a digital asset. It doesn't get delivered to me. Who do I sue? Do I sue you? And this uh, girl from Harvard, this woman, sorry, from Harvard, this uh, law scholar, again, a very intelligible, just like, yeah if you can find me and he was just like this is unacceptable like you can't have regulated finance operating in this way this is ridiculous yeah
0: so we have that to look forward to you know like I said 2007 the beginning of it to where we are now well 2018 is going to that this digital currency space is going to be very very interesting let's jump first then to the to the DLT the distributed ledger platforms underpinning these digital currencies these cryptocurrencies Um story from Amelia David, uh, blockchain consortium R3 and technology service provider SIA Group have partnered to help speed up global development of blockchain with the creation of a new network built on R3's Corda. So it's good to see that we are going to speed up the development of the blockchain when... Yeah, there's not a lot of speed happening right now as far as That's actual insane. live development.
1: And you wonder it. Like you know, like SIA chain has six hundred nodes on it. It's got six hundred banks and corporates on mm-hmm. SIA chain. And you're gonna connect that to quarter and you have apps on it. And then you've got something saying, six hundred banks are using we're critical mass now, let's do the next thing. And yeah. again, it's just like kind of slow down, guys. <laughs> it's just it's like, I mean I'm sure it's fine. These guys know what they're doing and like I spoke to Tom McDonald from R three at um at, uh, at Cybos, and he was saying, you know, they're really reining in their project scope at the moment and looking at how they can more, sort of tar- I guess, kind of tactically target areas. Mm-hmm. This, to me, just seems like a big... <laughs> kind of, you know, just, let's put 600 banks in the blockchain and see yeah. what happens. People develop apps for it. That's what they do, right? I guess it, to...
0: that's what we're now seeing now, is you have R3 now just trying to get in big with a consortia kind of group here. in yeah. the Well, they've just... changed
1: their language as well. They call themselves a fintech startup now and that kind of thing. It's sort of, you know... People couldn't see me roll my eyes right now. It was a hard roll. It happens it a little during this podcast. <laughs>
0: um, so yeah, So like I said, we weren't going to talk about blockchain digital currencies. And there we are, talking about blockchain digital currencies. Yep, Let's, Let's never we, talk about You know what we need to do? We need to sexy this up. We need to make this more interesting right now. Yeah,
1: we're sorry, guys. We've got something cool for you now. Let's go with post-trade processes.
0: <laughs> How about that? Let's really... That's what the people want to hear about. That's what people tune into and listen to.
1: And this is a particularly uh, awesome topic for me, <laughs> considering that I, I did a feature on, a big feature on this last month, and the background to that feature is it took me essentially nine, ten months to write because it just kept getting knocked back for everyone going, I've read through this, gym, but I'm just so bored. <laughs> <laughs> this is the whole point. Um, so getting it past your editors is, is nice and post-trade.
0: So really the news of this say. is IHS Market, they've, um, uh, in conjunction with CLS and LCH, uh, they're going to automate post-trade processes for complex currency derivatives, but it's looking at the entire market. James, why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so Yeah, I mean,
1: uh, so this is kind of emblematic of what the problem is in derivatives at the moment is that a lot of these processes were designed during the 90s and the 80s and built on sort of, you know, structures and workflows that made sense then, but they haven't really kept pace with technology. So when you look at cross-currency swaps, like a lot of the, um, the post-trade activity around that is so manual. Um, in terms of calculating exchange rates, in terms of settling, in terms of exchanging margin and collateral payments, what have you? What they've done here is not really revolutionary. I don't think they've just kind of put some new workflows between um, LCH Swap Agent, which is launching a cross-currency uh, derivative service later this year, and CLS, which um, is the primary settlement utility in FX markets. It offers a delivery versus delivery, uh, sorry, payment versus payment settlement service. So there's no settlement risk essentially. Okay. Um, what market? is trying to do um, is take a broader look and say okay we've done this in cross currency swaps how can we roll this out to the the rest of the swaps market where everything is still quite manual in terms of things being booked and collateral being exchanged and everything else but it's interesting they're doing that because it does play into the wider efforts by people like ISDA to standardize and automate elements of the market and really try and bring it into uh, the modern age where you know the amount of Money that's at stake in the derivatives market, the amount of systemic risk that's held inside of it as well is—it's it's amazing that it's still managed in many cases by spreadsheets, faxes, and everything yeah. else. You know, so, I mean, it's phenomenal to use a fax machine in today's day. Yeah, I didn't even know it existed anymore. Well, yeah, I wonder who's who's providing the service for them. <laughs> it's, uh, um, and surely emails quicker. <laughs> like um, even by email, would be a bad thing to have. So yeah, it's an interesting area. Um, market talks a little bit about. They're looking at AI and blockchain, obviously, and that kind of thing. Um, I'm gonna talk with them more in depth next week, so we can talk about it more then. But it was oh yeah, I'm, I'm so. dying.
0: I'm gonna mark that on my calendar right now. I think all of our listeners should mark Tell that. me about
1: post-trade processing, Jim. <laughs> um,
0: but it was actually a very good feature. It's from October. Um, James Dorts feature technology takes aim at post-trade black holes. Um, it looks at the influence of regulation, new technologies, prompting a hard look at how post-trade proxies can be improved and perhaps even replaced entirely. <laughs> it is 3,000 words ish. It's a longer one. Um, Very well researched, very well written. So, if you do want to know about this sexy topic, Jim has got it covered in great <laughs> detail. <laughs> we will link to that article. I'll talk about Post Trade all day long, guys. Just call me. <laughs> so, IHS Market, big, big company, got a lot of services combining. Reminds me of politician, good Senator Al Franken. Good segue. I oh, like it.
1: Nailed it. <laughs>
0: Al Franken, a uh, story that I read in uh, Wired. Uh, Al Franken just gave the speech, Big Tech has been dreading. Um, and it, uh, so he's a Democrat, for you for to know, he's a Democrat from Minnesota. Uh, used to be former comedian, SNL, uh, Saturday Night Live actor uh, mm-hmm. turned politician. Very smart guy. Um, I disagree with him strongly on a lot of things, and <laughs> we'll get into this a little bit here. Um, but. He is a bright, articulate individual. Uh, he was a great uh, comedy writer uh, back in the day. Um, but uh, I like this one quote. Uh, so he decided that he's going to take aims at the dangers of tech giants like uh, Facebook, Google, and Amazon. Um, this was on a speech on Wednesday. And he believes that regulators and lawmakers in both parties They need to put uh, policies in place to better oversee these dominant online platforms. And here's a quote. Everyone is rightfully focused on Russia manipulation of social media. But as lawmakers, it is incumbent on us to ask the broader questions. How did big tech come to control so many aspects of our lives? (laughs) And then he goes A handful of companies decide what Americans see, read, and buy Dominating access to information Facilitating the spread of disinformation How did big tech come to control so many aspects of our lives? Because we enjoy it Because they're good platforms Because we like using them and we don't have to use these platforms. We did it consciously, They're, guys. We it's let them no in. There's no monopoly yeah. here. Yeah. Facebook is a monopoly because it's the best site that you're going to have for this kind of a thing. Yeah. Twitter is the place people go because it's the best site. Anybody can go and create that site and you and can Wilson's
1: go to, not even a monopoly globally. I mean, in China, they've got like Bebo. And yeah, exactly. Well. So yeah, yeah.
0: Is there a problem with the spread of fake news and stuff like that? Yes. But that is... The, we would hope that the market would speak to Facebook and say, I'm not going to use your platform anymore. Twitter, I'm not going to use your platform anymore. If you make it so easy for just fake news, true fake news, not the hashtag you know, Washington Post fake news, right, actual yeah. fake news. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to make this so hard to, so easy for uh, the Russians to come in and create talking points for, you know, for Americans, then yes, I will stop using your platform. That's my decision. Yeah. we also have this thing called First Amendment, freedom of speech. You're allowed to go up and put up fake news if you want. Nothing against that. You know, it's a shitty, shitty move if you want to keep on spraying around stupid uh, articles. But I see stuff from Breitbart all over my feed. I see stuff from, uh, you know, dumb left-wing sites. Right. I don't exactly. pay attention yeah. to those sites, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I ignore them. Yeah. I don't have to read them. So yeah. that was, I, I saw it, and I... And like,
1: look, you can't legislate for stupidity as well. Like, exactly. if people are going to read this, and they're actually going to believe. Yeah. Half of the crap they read, and my father-in-law is guilty of this, every single time something comes up on one of these sites, I hear it the next day around the dinner table. Um, Some people do, but that's not the job of the U.S. government to regulate that. (laughs) Let's consider these people in the U.S. government that we want to be
0: controlling what Facebook, Twitter, and how Mm -hmm. they're going to offer their technology. We have this guy down in in Alabama uh, named Roy Moore. Mm -hmm. This week... It comes out, a Washington Post story, links, I think it was one on record, a girl who was 14 years old, who said okay. when he was 32, so this was many, many decades ago, so there's no legal um, uh, statute of passed, yeah. but um, that when he was 32, 14, um, he engaged in sexual contact with her. That's rape. That's, that is what it is. That's statutory rape. It yeah. is statutory rape. Yeah. There is no... Uh, now we have people actually going and trying to twist around, well, you know, was it really the way, you know. Here was a great quote from, uh, this was um, a, an auditor in Alabama. Um, Ziegler Ziegler's last name. I'm not sure what his first name is. He goes and he says, defending and more, take the Bible. Zachariah and Elizabeth, for instance. Zachariah was, an extremely, was extremely old to marry Elizabeth, and they became the parents of John the Baptist. Does he stop there? No, no. He decided that there is more to this that needs to be said. Also, take Joseph and Mary. Mary was a teenager, and Joseph was an adult carpenter. They became parents of Jesus. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> That's the best offense, They like can muscle up. There's a great article in National Review. So I am a... I can't stand the Republican Party right now, but I tend to vote Republican on a lot of things. Um, old school Ronald Reagan's George H.W. Bush kind of Republican. Oh, got to say old school now because apparently this party's gotten completely bad. Not just Republican. But uh, in the National Review, which I read, um, some of it's stupid, but there's a lot of uh, good coaching articles they have in there. Uh, Jonah Goldberg uh, wrote a really good, uh, Saving Roy Moore Isn't Worth It, and this was... Month ago, or something like that, before any of this uh, sexual allegation, sexual misconduct stuff came out about Roy Moore, um, he had said, "This is not. We shouldn't be hitching our wagon to. This. Yes, we might gain a seat here, or we might keep a seat in the Senate, but this is going to create a problem for us going forward. He's going to become the poster child of lunacy in the Senate. That." moderates are just going to, you know, moderate voters are going to say, no, I'm not going to vote for this party anymore. But he wrote this, and I thought it was really good. I suppose it's good that some Republicans see this as a bridge too far, but it's a little hard for me to focus on that upside when you think about what they considered to be acceptable until now. Still, it's good to know where their line is. You can set up shady charities for profit. Mind you, these are all things that Roy Moore did. You can set up shady charities for profit. You can call for religious tests and champion theocracy. You can cutely flirt with the idea that homosexuals have no rights. I don't mean gay marriage, but the right to life. You can be removed from the bench twice. You can demonstrate a thumbless grasp of the issues central to the Trump agenda. This is acceptable for many conservatives. But molest a little girl? That at least is too much. Yeah. And that is where we are driving this party to right now. And it is the fact that we have, fortunately, the Republican uh Senator Ben Sasse, Senator John McCain they're coming out hard against some guys like Cork or Flake that are, have been now starting to go against Trump now when they used to be Trump supporters. Yeah. Um, but now they're not running anymore. They're, they're coming out as well. And it's good that that's happening, that, that should happen. But the fact that this, this politics in general, we'd rather see our team win rather than care about the individual that is in that, in that suit, in that, in that seat. And that's become a very, very big problem here.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, and you see it on both sides, and Democrats and Republicans as well. It's just all about, as you say, you want the vote to go blue, you want the vote to go red. It doesn't really matter what happens, as long as that result occurs, and then you can work within it. The kind of philosophy being, I guess, yeah. But that paradigm doesn't really apply anymore. <laughs> this kind, of, this kind of lunacy coming out—it's just unbelievable. So,
0: for some people, there was signs that maybe some of this lunacy, you know, is being reined back in um, with the electoral results from this past Tuesday. Yeah. Um, as um, uh whatever the hell his first name is, Ed Glebsky in um, Virginia, he lost, he's a Republican, came out with a very controversial a campaign. Ball, right? yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and he was just also had, he just came out with a very dirty campaign. Yeah. And so he lost, um, Democratic, I can't remember the name, um, there was also some other interesting results just from around the country. Um, uh, black ch- transgender activist uh, Andre Jenkins was elected to the Minneapolis City Council. Hispanic women won the mayor's race in Topeka, Kansas. A Sikh man was elected mayor in Hoboken, New Jersey. A Latino, Vietnamese, and transgender female candidates won state legislature races. Black candidates were elected lieutenant governor of New Jersey and Virginia. A Liberian refugee in Helena, Montere- Mont- Montana was elected mayor. So some of this is, you know, we're seeing some change-outs from a New York Times article. Yeah,
1: you're seeing some change. What irritates me, though, is that the day after this happens, you start seeing these little memes on Twitter and Facebook going, something's happening, folks. Yeah. No, it isn't. When yeah. Paul Ryan's seat is being threatened, that's when something's happening. But exactly. It's not like someone on a city council or a mayor or some butt-fuck town in Montana. You know, exactly. It matter.
0: Well, you know what's funny is it's, it's, it's it goes to show, like, it, it's like, it's like, so when people, like, highlight these things, like, you see, America isn't as racist and sexist as we always believe. It. It's like a no character. kidding, it's not. You know, it's, it's not not everything from the Trump era shows that America's is horrible racist. You know, yeah. America's a pretty great place. I actually like to think. I think that we've been pulling in immigrants. Stuff like there's a reason why immigrants from around the world first decades have been centuries i guess you know even uh, yeah. have been coming here it's a pretty
1: good place to live I, um, i'm an immigrant i can attest to that exactly <laughs> and i tolerate you
0: even though you're a dirty dirty american I, job-stealing I, immigrant I, I mean sort of tolerate me <laughs> <laughs> so one of my uh, friends she's a democratic lobbyist uh, in dc and she wrote this up on facebook i thought it was uh, very to the point um looking ahead to 2018 and we will get to a fintech or a uh, 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 financial Dodd frank kind of aspect of this but Um, To the TV pundits who are calling this referendum on Trump, A, today is no different than yesterday. We are all the same people we were then. B, there is a very long way between here and the midterms. C, the Democratic Party is still in shambles. Yes, this puts pressure on some of the rank-and-file Republicans who may be considering their races next year, but that's not necessarily a good thing. We need people who are willing to compromise. That's not what you get when you run the moderates out of town. Could we tone down the rhetoric just a little bit? So she's talking about that on both sides. Yeah. You know that not all Republicans are evil, not all Democrats are evil. We got to find, we got to get back to this area where yes, we we dislike you, we disagree with you, yeah. but this isn't life and death. We're not going to support Roy Moore's, you know. For I mean, often.
1: Just, we just look a bit more closely. I mean, the mayoral election was a perfect. If I had been able to vote, which I'm not in New York City. So thank I'm, God. Thank God. But I, I probably would have voted for, um, uh, for Nicole. Nicole. Yeah. yeah. I can't pronounce the last name, attackers or something. Yeah, Greek last name. I mean, those
0: Greeks, yeah. Um,
1: Mainly because I just don't think de Blasio's done anything. Um, And I'm also a fairly committed, left-wing, you know, natural Democrat-leaning kind of guy. an independent, but um, you just have that ability to to look at an issue on its issues and not judge it based on Trump, not judge it based on the person, not judge it based on anything else. Just look at it and communicate with people and talk it out as to why this... I I had a chat with you in the pub about your views on her and that kind of won me yeah. over in terms of like you were talking about her policies and that kind of thing. I was like, well, yeah, maybe I, I would have voted for her. That yeah. kind of thing. You so, know, the I problem
0: know. is, like, so me and my girlfriend asked, we were talking about this and one of her co-workers, she was, so she's uh, lefty, she's actually a Green Party. Um, she's very big in environmental right. issues. Um, and she was saying that one of the guys at her office was saying that he just always marks D down the board. Whoever the Democrat is, that's who he goes in and yeah. votes for. And God bless you, go and vote. Um, but there is something to consider for voting for that Green Party cat, especially in, the, in a town like this where it's going to go Democrat.
1: You know, the mayoral race not always not the always race, mayoral
0: yeah. race, but it takes it takes the city going out of control for a Republican to come yeah. in the way it had to with uh, Giuliani. But you know, there are people read the polling data; these politicians read polling data, and they make decisions based off polling data. We like to believe that politicians are. Moral, upright individuals. Don't ever believe that. Mm-hmm. There's good ones out there. There's bad ones out there. But really, they're just kind of doing They're trying to keep their job. They're trying to figure out how to move up to that next ladder. You know, and to do that,
1: you got to yes, kind of just yeah. be... If you believe that, I've, I know some guys on Wall Street would love to say some credit. <laughs> yeah, <system. exactly. laughs> In Bitcoin. In Bitcoin. Um, <laughs> so, you know,
0: vote for that Green Party candidate because if that Green Party candidate can get 6 7% of the vote, get a big percentage of the vote. Then the Democrat has to start listening to that block of their party, to to, to the green people like, listen, we will go with the Republican next time. You know, if it's not Nikki, and maybe the Republican will say, listen, these greenies, they're so hard against this uh, Democrat. We can go and poach this seat by winning them over to us.
1: It's how constituent blocks and parties works. And um, we were talking about this earlier in the newsroom, and you're right, sometimes it works badly, in which case you get this insurgent wing of the party, like the Tea Party, or... UKIP out um, in... um, in, uh, UKIP, which, yeah, initially started as a Eurosceptic wing of the Conservative Party, and, you know, eventually had way more of an impact than they ever should have (laughs) done. um, So you see, you can have an impact as a fringe group. Not always great. (laughs) But but no, you're right, there should be something, especially in... um, in cities that always go D or always go R. Yeah. Uh, like New York, and, and it's well known how fabulously, um, shall we say, aligned with the interests of certain people the Democrat Party is in New York yeah. and that kind of thing. And how little aligned it is with the people that well, live
0: here. like So there, in New York, every 20 years, we have a constitutional, uh, a referendum for a constitutional convention. That's the problem, right right? Yeah. yeah. So... And for it, we can go through and have a constitutional convention. Do we need to make changes to our co- to the state constitution? Mm-hmm. And these are important. So things like, consider this. Um, in New York City, you cannot change the speed limit on a street. It has to go through Albany, and yeah. Albany votes on it. That's ridiculous. There is so much corruption in this city. We've seen it. You know, Not high level. I'm not, I'm not talking mayor. I'm talking, and some people might say the mayor, but... Yeah. You know, there have certainly been convictions, stuff like that, at low-level places, Um, even, like, state legislators, stuff like that. Neither the Republican—in New York, neither the Republican Party or the Democratic Party wants a change because the Republicans own the country, the upstate country, the north country— the Democrats own New York City, yeah, own the cities. They uh, Rochester and yeah. um, Buffalo, right? Yeah. I think
1: that's pretty much it. So. And,
0: and that's enough to win over the state, you yeah. know, and to have the dominant power in but the
1: state. I guess that's the club the Republicans use to beat the Democrats with no one concessions. Um, yeah, exactly. New York City, right? so.
0: so you vote against the Constitution Convention, you vote for um, de Blasio. Well, then when you go and complain about the MTA's. Problems when you go and complain about the growing homeless uh, population in our city, when you go and complain about <laughs> corruption, when you go and complain about these things, you kind of lose your leg to stand on because if you're just gonna vote for the D, the Democratic Party, <laughs> 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 is, the aristocrats then you know that that's where problems arise and you know, and also, for me, yeah
1: newsflash the mta is controlled by new york city the amount of people i heard saying well de blasio has up the mta it's like it's not his problem man it's controlled right. out of albany yeah. like you know it's, you don't even know this well, these are, are things it's, that yeah. the,
0: and they're not going to change and democrats or republicans this is both sides this is a partisan idea a bipartisan idea both sides want this to stay the same that's why the constitution convention that's why every 20 years we offer this now granted Usually it doesn't have much of an effect. The last time was 67-ish or something like that. And every single uh, referendum that the Constitutional Convention came out with, the voters voted no. But at least the voters have the say then. The mm-hmm. vo- And people are like, oh, it's going to cost the state too much money. It's gonna-.
1: That's what they make you fear. Or it's, oh, they're going to destroy the pension system in New York State. Yeah, you know, I, was, I was talking to my family about it. They were just like, well, thank God everyone voted on Prop 1. I was like, why? Yeah. Like, oh, we don't need to have a, we, we can't do it now. I was like, why not? Like, we're in a period of economic recovery. Like, everything's fairly stable. Yeah. You don't have a presidential election coming up soon or anything like that. That's a perfect time to do it. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, <laughs> New York City is richer than it's ever been. So, yes. And let's consider that 21% of the people that could vote in New York City voted. Twenty-one
0: percent. Twenty-one percent was turnout. That's pathetic. Shut up! it's Like these. uh, God, just. I want change. I want change. Can you go down the block to your voting place? Nah. Can you take an hour out of your time? I can't get off from my job. Polls open at like six o'clock. Close at nine, ten o'clock, something like that. Man, your job is pretty intense, man. If you cannot get out of your <laughs> pretty office, hardcore. just to, uh, you know, then...
1: Well, I'm surprised uh, that even, because I think they gave all the city workers the day off as well, didn't they? Because my garbage didn't get collected on Monday, so it's... There yeah, go. Was, you know, I'm <laughs> surprised how it wasn't higher because of that, and not anything else.
0: So, yeah. looking ahead, you know, this idea that, well, the leaves are changing they're happening, 2018 is going to be different, Democrats are going to sweep, own the Senate, they're going to... Guys, 21% the of the people showed up here in New York City... The voter turnout was good in some areas, but again, these were not for major, major races. 2018, that's going to be the big one. And it is funny how in the election lead up, the presidential election lead up, there was a lot of talk about that, Frank. There was a lot of talk about financial reform, getting Wall Street
1: in check. Um, I haven't really seen any of that happen. <laughs> I like, I mean, I think you've seen like... a kind of almost like a self-censorship on the part of the regulators. A lot of new bloods come in um, the CFTC and the SEC, and they've been Trump-aligned to a certain extent, or at least yeah, on well, board with the party were, line. Yeah, exactly. Couldn't. And they're saying we're not going to make any new rules, and they, for a large part they haven't. Like they haven't really rocked the boat very much, but nothing's really been rolled back. You know, yeah. the, the Volcker rule still there. Like yeah. the, I mean, the Reg A T thing has changed slightly, but that was always happening anyway. Right? Yeah, so there, there was no actually, reason so. for that to
0: go through. I mean, exactly. that was a that was a logical, reasonable. Uh, thing. Exactly, um, Dodd yeah. Frank is you know, there's nothing yeah. that's coming back from that, that I think they actually closed the book on that for the most part.
1: Yeah, and even like things like the Seferals and stuff, maybe Giancarlo will change him next year, now he's on a quorum, but um, I Poor think was, risk
0: guys, man, they probably liked it better when there was a Democrat in there, you know, there was at least some is, yeah. chance at yeah, yeah. some yeah. change now. It's I think
1: <laughs> they've got some better access now, <laughs> <all that is>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and that's it. And, uh, yeah anybody who's hoping for big change is not going to see it I mean I'm not even convinced that Trump's going to run again for another election there's a I mean i read a couple of um, I think it might be the National Review actually or something similar to that it was a right wing newspaper just saying that odds are he might just bow out after a term if there's a strong democrat mm-hmm. resurgence and someone comes through as a strong challenger Trump's psychology means that he might just bow and say I was a winner, that was it. Good
0: so, article yeah. read. Um, in The New Yorker from a week or two ago, uh, Tom Cotton, mm-hmm. um, the Arkansas uh, Senator, um, how he's, the, the, the Republican, part, the, the Trump side of the Republican Party is now kind of grooming him because he agrees with all Trump's policies, he's, but he's a former uh, military veteran, a former Army um, in the Army, um, very intelligent, Harvard educated. You know, he's going to kind of be the one that will be the. I agree with all of Trump's policies. I just won't go on to Twitter tirades, and I'll do it yeah. like a politician. Thanks. <laughs> and you know that'll be interesting to see because for many Republicans that'll be good enough. That's what many people are saying. It's like God, just I, I just want I don't want to be embarrassed well,
1: anymore. I mean, I think the Republicans could have rolled back a lot of Dodd Frank already, and could have undone oh, um, sure. a lot of what went into that act. Um if it wasn't for the bluster, which ironically brought it to attention in the first place, you know, yeah. but you know, Trump hasn't shut up about it, and it's become such a big thing. It's also become this kind of noose around their neck where they can't do anything because yeah. the second they do, um, you know, the Democrats take up Dodd Frank as a holy cause, you know, it's and then, it goes goes what so Yeah, It'd
0: be interesting to see. But yeah, so anybody thinks that that the seas are changing, everything like that. It's a long way it's away long between way to today yeah. and uh, the next uh, November 2018.
1: Yeah, so the midterms, right? It's just,
0: yeah. No, it's not a
1: long way away. Next week,
0: Asia-Pacific Financial Information <laughs> Conference, Waters Technology Innovation Summit, and December 4th, Waters USA. No,
1: like I said. We told you we'd link it back to financial technology. Got it all we'll back. <laughs>
0: All right. like we said, uh, hopefully you enjoyed this. Uh, next week we will try and uh, have some better stories and be better prepared for. But this, I thought, turned out okay. This
1: turned out all right. Yeah. When have we got Wei Shen and Victor on the podcast?
0: Wei Shen will be in the week of the week before December second, so the very last week of um, November of yeah. November, and then we'll have Victor on uh, when he's here. Excellent. Uh, in the first week of December, so you guys get to hear some different voices from the team. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, and we'll see you next week. See you guys.